Hi, and welcome to the Unashamedly Human Podcast, a podcast created to help you get out of your head and into your life. That is, if you want to have more fun, freedom, happiness, peace of mind, and success whilst squeezing the juice out of every area of your life. Join Jackie Ford every Thursday and listen in to her warm Scottish tones, wise heart and wonderful sense of humour as she interviews guests and discusses what it means to be unashamedly human. Hi everyone and welcome to the Unashamedly Human podcast. I'm here today with a man whose company I've really just got to know over the last week or so and I've thoroughly enjoyed. I'd love you to meet David Key. David is the author of Joyride. He is also the creator and founder of a programme called the... And I've forgotten it, David. Ultimate Coach. An Ultimate Coach programme that is enrolling people from all over the world. People Mm. who've been in other kind of coaching disciplines who are very, very curious about this understanding. And I enrolled in it myself because I was curious about what David was doing because I have an NLP background, I have a hypnotherapy background, but there was just something about this programme that really, really spoke to me. And I'm so glad I did because I get to see how David creates, the space that David works from, and how he is helping transform the minds and the hearts of other coaches who will now be able to help their clients from a much, much, oh my goodness, transformative space, actually. So I'm delighted to be here with David. And when I was thinking about how can I introduce this guy to you, it, it cracked me up because I remembered something that David had created um, when he did the Creating the Impossible program with Michael Neal a couple of years back. And I, and I was playing in my head, as you do, how am I going to introduce this guy? And I'm like, yes, David's the, the founder of the G-Spot. <laughs> I was like, no, it's not the G-Spot, it's the G-Pot. <laughs> so you did that program. I did the very first one with Michael when there, were, there was only about six or seven of us on it. Wow, that was going back a few years. Then. That is going back a few years, yeah. Wonderful programme. How to highlight how one thinks <laughs> crazily. Uh, yeah, beautiful. But I, I was on it that same year you did it, did it too because I actually find it a good way to kickstart my year. Mm. I, I, I think it was uh, somebody else that actually introduced me to the principles also introduced me to Michael's programme. I didn't know about mm. it. I was kicking tyres beginning of January when he kicked it off that particular year. I think it was 2015. Mm-hmm. And um, I thought, oh, why not? A few hundred dollars, I might learn something. It really pointed me in a, in a direction that um, has been unfolding ever since, really. Because it was mm-hmm. after that I sort of started the principal's journey with gusto and mm-hmm. I was all in. Mm-hmm. But the creating the impossible program was was an eye opener. I didn't think I had a creative bone in my body. Really? Seriously, I hadn't. I was like, oh, I'm not a creative type. Mm-hmm. It's funny how we tell ourselves stories and then buy into them as they as if they were true, right? Absolutely. Are you not finding this more and more in this program that you're doing, David, with the you know the coaches that you're working with? I mean, and this is a global project. I mean, it's it's mm. incredible. I, I I I didn't foresee this happening. Again, 
coming across this understanding and also doing that, creating the impossible and creating a, a bit of pottery, I mean, to replace a gravy bag. I mean, first of all, tell everybody about, about the G spot. <laughs> <laughs> right. um, is this audio or, yeah, or? It's audio and video, love. Audio oh, it is video, video as well. Right. Okay. So look, I've got a prototype box here. Oh, luckily the pot isn't in it because that would <laughs> it. Michael's game was a fascinating concept of um, coming from the world of setting goals and being a, quite a high achiever, always striving, creating lots of stress, trying to get somewhere. Mm-hmm. I signed up to his program thinking, oh, this will, this will be interesting. And it was the opposite of everything that I would have been training my clients to do is strive and set goals and take the next step and put energy and adrenaline into you know, making it happen. And then I come across Michael's program. It's like, oh, you know, you don't even have to play this game. And the, the, the purpose of the game is to fail. I'm like, what? <laughs> what, to lose a game? So um, I had no idea what I was going to do as a goal until that moment when I'm sitting around the Sunday table, dinner table. We're all having a family Sunday mm-hmm. roast. And my mother-in-law bemoaned the fact that the gravy had gone cold in our Pyrex jug, inefficiently designed to keep gravy warm. And then an idea popped into my head about the G-pot as opposed to a teapot. Mm -hmm. So um, what I had done that Sunday is I poured the gravy into a teapot we have in the house and put it in a microwave just to heat the gravy up. And my mother-in-law turned her nose up at it. She said, how on earth can I ever drink tea again from that (laughs) pot? you've had gravy in it and and then that was when the inspiration hit it was almost like well why don't i create a replacement for the gravy boat that's like a teapot it was almost like i downloaded this out of nowhere out of Mm. the blue this idea i didn't do anything the idea just came and it felt right Mm. it was the feeling Mm -hmm. and um it's sort of one coincidence I don't believe in coincidences, but I'll use that word. One um, coincidence after another coincidence unfolded and all the right people showed up at the right time to help this ex-IT sales guy Mm. (laughs) who transitioned into coaching helped me bring this into the world. And in fact, um, they're going to be on sale before Christmas this year. Oh, that's awesome. Congratulations. I'm going down to sort out the boxes today. So again, that, that journey's taken four years, but there's been no stress, no pressure. I've, I've stayed in the spirit of the game mm. all the way through, even though the game finished five years ago or four mm-hmm. years. Ago. Mm-hmm. And that is this. No stress, no pressure, not to make, trying to make anything happen, just allow the unfolding to happen and if it does it does and if it doesn't it doesn't absolutely you know and and david and i were speaking the other day there and there's a lot of similarity in the way that we've kind of shown up to life and that we've kind of been living life and doing business flying by the seat of our pants and yeah yeah and at various points in our careers we've given ourselves a hard time about this but Mm. then realized that's the space where we can create from and that's what it sounds like to me you're saying that, you know, the, the, the pot was inspired from that space and, you know, it's, it's, it's unfolded from that space, whether you call it living by the seat of your pants or living from mind, it's the same thing. <laughs> yeah, living from the seat of your pants. I always thought 
um, because colleagues used to say this to me when I worked in the software industry back in the day over 20 years ago, mm. um, <clears throat> that I was always winging it. Mm. I was never well prepared and yet I seemed to do rather okay. Quite a high achiever. So I just thought it was because uh, I hated planning. <laughs> but it wasn't. It was because I, I had faith, a feeling, and almost like a blind faith that things would work out. My wife called me the eternal optimist. Nice. Um, but I always knew deep in the back of my mind that I was optimistic, but I knew that it was a better way of being because it felt better than being a yeah. pessimist. That's all. But I always knew deep down that I'm making it up. Mm -hmm. The idea, the vision for the future. Mm -hmm. And it's that lightness, isn't it? That light touch that you know that we have these incredible gifts of mind, thought and consciousness. Yet so often and so innocently, we use these gifts to scare the shit out of ourselves <laughs> rather than use it to imagine a future, mm. but hold it so lightly that it's playful. It's like Play-Doh rather than it being concrete. I spoke to a colleague earlier on today and he said, oh, Jackie, I've mapped out my whole year for next year. <laughs> mapped out my holidays. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I said, where's the room for play? Mm. Where's the room for spontaneity? Yeah, yeah. You know? And I love being in that space. Um, since I came across the understanding, I see it more now. And you can always join the dots up looking back to those mm. moments where we were touched or we had insight or yeah. we were inspired to move in a certain direction. Mm -hmm. Do you not think, David, that that's the point that, that proves to us that this understanding is innate? Because there are so many touch points where we've been living from that space and we didn't recognise it. Yeah, that's, the, that's what I call the evidence, the social proof. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I was just about to say that that's the evidence that it's, it's in you. So, yeah. Sorry, love. So the coaching programme, is that the space where it was created from? Yeah, I, it's funny, Michael Neal comes into that conversation again. <laughs> Imagine that, hey, that yeah, man. I don't know how he did that. So, so here's the thing. I, I, I had a defining moment with the principles. Um, if I take the listener a little, back, a little bit back in time. Mm -hmm. um, traditionally, I was teaching NLP, coaching models, theories, techniques, and hypnosis as well, which I love. I put like myself. Fact, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean... <laughs> I've been studying and working in, uh, with, that, with hypnosis since the 90s. Oh, my God, David, I, I'm the 80s. Uh, I'm older than you, love. <laughs> well, 1989, I got my first. <laughs> Who's competitive then? <laughs> always, always. Still trying to le learn to be a good loser. Mm -hmm. so, um, so I was fascinated with the mind. Um, I self-taught pretty much until I sort of delved into NLP world and became mm -hmm. a trainer and then hypnosis, a master trainer. Been going through teaching and working with people all over the world. And um, I encountered a personal challenge in my own life, in my relationship with my wife. And um, everything that I'd learned up until that moment didn't seem to be helpful. <laughs> and I was really confused. Yeah. It's like, hold on, I'm teaching people how to have a better experience of life with techniques and models, and yet here I am struggling with my own mm. psychological well-being in that moment. It felt like it. 
and I was really confused and frustrated. And then um, a good friend of mine who'd actually been a student of mine introduced me to um, George Pransky's work. And I bought a course and I was watching it. It was the second hour of the training. And my wife came in and sat down next to me. Anna came and sat next to me. She said, oh, can I watch this? I said, you can watch it if you want to. And George shared a metaphor that affected her and she changed in front of my eyes. And mm -hmm. I saw this happen. The change was powerful. I mean, it was, it was like she looked different instantaneously. She turned to me and said, we're going to be okay. And I was scratching my head going in my, inside my mind thinking, I haven't decided if that's going to, if we are yet. <laughs> now I'm starting to get curious, confused. So I rewound George's video about 20 times looking for the <laughs> Put me training it on, I want to know what he did to my wife on the video. And uh, I couldn't find anything. And then I was even more confused. Because mm -hmm. I was so in my head all of the time. Um, but there was something about the way she said to me, we're going to be okay, that I knew we were. Isn't that was interesting? It, was it the feeling again? It was the feeling again. So I wasn't buying into the fact that our relationship was over. Mm. I wasn't buying into that. But I was still confused, still angry. Um, I was living in the past and struggling. And then about, I was furious that she'd changed, actually. And I had to, that would be the competitive streak, right? That would be the competitive streak, yeah. Yeah. So um, the ego part anyway long story short about four weeks later i'm making a cup of tea and anna was out with the children and i'd slipped into past thoughts mm. memories that had icky feelings attached to them in that moment i saw because i got angry at anna and then i had this thought she's not here mm. she's not in the room I'd have got into an argument with thought, <laughs> my own head. But I saw in that moment, it was like a mini defining moment. It was in that moment I was like, oh shit. Yeah. This is, this is, this is real. So then I decided to get on the plane and uh, at a later point, I went and did a professional training and I got to work with George one-on-one -on -one and I had a, 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 a holy, mother of God moment where, where the floor just seemed to disappear and it was like a, a suit of armor had been lifted from my mm. body that I'd been carrying around with me for 45 years back then or 46 years back then. And um, the metaphor that came to mind, it was like, a, um, I saw it in the moment. And again, it's a metaphor. It was seeing like a, a snake em emerging from its skin. Mm -hmm. almost like a re reborn mm -hmm. a rebirth uh, a, a, you know, a chrysalis coming out a butterfly coming out it was just that transformation was so instantaneous that I felt absolutely amazing and I thought yeah I, I've got to do this for a living mm. didn't know how and it took four years, a bit like the G-pop. 
it took four years before it emerged. And what emerged was, I want to teach this, but blend it. So I want to do it online and reach more people, but I had no idea how. And then Michael Neal sends an email out saying, why don't you come for a three day retreat with me for a small group of about eight people. And this is, this is how it plays out. It's amazing, isn't it? Because I didn't have the money for it. And um, I'm, my wife, Anna, was saying, are you going to go? I said, oh, I want to see Michael because I love his work. I always have fun with him. Um, but I don't know how I'm going to afford it. I didn't have the money. Mm-hmm. So I went and got a bath that evening, and I'm sitting in a bubble bath. I'm reading Sid. My mind was quiet, and then an idea popped into my head. It was like, oh, I promoted his Creating the Impossible program. So I contacted um, Lynn Mm -hmm. and I said, I believe I might have earned some commission. And she came back with a figure and the figure was pretty much near on how much I needed to go on that retreat. Mm -hmm. Because it wasn't logical because I've been working with George and Dickin and many other trainers. I was like, I didn't need to go and learn about the principles. But there was something inside of me, you know, that feeling. Oh, God, of course I do. Yeah. yeah you got to go. you got to go. Mm-hmm. I ended up going and I, there was only eight of us. And I was sitting in the room and I was sitting next to this young whippersnapper who turned to me. His name is John. And he said, what do you do? And I shared. Mm-hmm. And, he's, and I said, what do you do? And he said, oh, I help businesses get their message out into the world. And I was like, I need someone like you in my life. I've been trying to work out for four years how I can transition from old school NLP and hypnosis tape training to teaching um, the principles as the foundations of coaching conversations. So a coaching program where I'm not burnt out because Mm -hmm. I'd been running the treadmill for 15 years. And he said, oh, that's right up my street. He said, what do you want from your business? I said, I want to make more impact. Mm -hmm. And it was almost like he choked on his mouth of, mouthful of water because he'd never heard anyone said that. Normally he heard people saying, I want to make more money. Yeah. So he was really surprised and curious at that point. And then he took me under his wing and he said, I'm going to help you get out there into the world. And we sat down, had a conversation about a month later. And what evolved from that was the Ultimate Coach Program. Again, it wasn't in the plan. It was just the feeling. It just felt right. And now I think we have, what, 400 people in the program? Yeah. Over 450 have invested in it. It's just a lot aren't in the Facebook group. And what's evolved from that is an apprenticeship program. And we could have a thousand people who are getting the opportunity to to hear um, my take on the principles and then bring other people in from the community. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I, I love what you're doing, David. I really do love what you're doing because... The more grounded the coach is, the more likely transformation in our clients. And to blend what you know, and we're not talking about blending techniques, we're talking about blending. Do you know, David, it's not even blending because we spoke about this the other day there as well, about, you know, we're both trained hypnotherapists, NLP trainers, etc. You can help when you're working from mind that what comes through you 
And you find yourself absolutely unconsciously speaking in nested loops or using conversational hypnosis because it's no longer conversational hypnosis, it's conversation. Yeah, yeah. And if we were to study the history of something like hypnosis, mm. we'd, we'd see that all our forefathers going back hundreds of years to Anton Mesmer in the 1790s mm. talk about this thing called rapport. Yeah. A feeling and saying you, you can't help someone if you don't have rapport mm. and I spent years trying to work out how do you do that now as we come across the principles you see oh it's just the absence of thinking and meeting someone where they're at yeah and and then it, I mean how simple is that <laughs> you it's know so simple it's so simple compared yeah. to sort of you know when when you were doing that from an NLP perspective where the kinesthetic yeah. or auditory how they're using their bodies and you'd be so much in your mind that a lot of that would pass by you without settling into essence that's it yeah so I guess the you know the journey has helped me see that all the modalities that I were working in, what was behind that was the principles at work yeah. always. And you know, and that's why I, I love listening to Richard Bandler. I just love that man to bits. He's just not himself. <laughs> they say he's like Marmite and I love Marmite. Oh, I don't know about Marmite, but I love Richard Bandler, <laughs> you know, and, and again, lately I've just been listening to him and you can hear you can mm. hear what he's doing, not from the perspective. I mean, you can hear it from the perspective of like what language patterns is he using, yeah. you know, which meta models is he using. You can, you can hear all of that. But mm. what I love is he's playing with yeah. thought, mind and consciousness. He's playing with it. Yeah. And it's, t it's palpable. You can feel it. Mm. Are you a kinesthetic learner? You know, um, I use all my senses to learn, mm -hmm. as I would like to have always said. So I, I had a preference actually for auditory. Really? But it's shifted. Uh-huh. And that's why I'm asking. <laughs> I, back in the day, when I worked in the IT world, I was a sales manager um, and sales director working for software companies back in the 80s and early 90s. And um, actually up to 2000 until I transitioned fully into coaching and um my nickname was the rottweiler and the rhinoceros <laughs> the rottweiler on bad days and the rhinoceros every day in other words you couldn't penetrate this thick illusory thick skin mm. um i was so shut down to my kinesthetic sensations that when i did the old nlp um they call it your um, predicate test yeah. with your pref learning preferences. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. I scored a zero on kinesthetic. Really? Yeah. Wow. I was like, why is that? I was the only one out of probably about 50 people that scored a zero on the K, on the kinesthetic, in terms of how you communicate and your way of learning. And then it clicked. I was like, oh, that's because, yeah, I shut down from those feeling states for quite a while. Do you think a lot of people do that, David, when their lives get difficult or challenging? You know, I don't know how people would do that, mm -hmm. but it seems quite common mm -hmm. that people, in fact, uh, a story, we ran a, a, an ultimate coach day um, about three weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And there was a, a hypnotherapist and a coach that um, had a bit of a challenge. And she said that she hadn't cried or felt any emotions for 10 years. 
and then she shared her story and it made sense it's almost like we protect ourselves from rejection perhaps or we, mm-hmm. we metaphorical you know invisible force shield mm-hmm. seems to emerge sometimes with some of the people that i've worked with um she was crying and laughing within about 15 minutes. <laughs> so it, was quite, it was quite interesting. So, what, 10 years and then in 15 minutes, she, she popped and she got an insight. She saw that, you know, there was a positive reason why she was thinking the way she was thinking. And when that fell away, she felt what she was looking to find. And, and that is emotion that moved her mm. without being frightened of about that. I love that. I love you know, when I talk about being unashamedly human, it's feeling all the feels and not being frightened by it, you know, really enjoying every gift that passes through you, every gift. I I did, um, I have these retreats that I do regularly, they're just for women, Um, and they're called the unashamedly human, and they're seasonal, so I look at what season it is and then I look at the spiritual nature of of life and the seasons and then we look at how does that represent us as human beings and we go deep and the last one there was about autumn and um, the women were in the room and I was one woman had mentioned something and I was working with her and the others were just sitting around And I always remember this, David, you know, when we're working with one, we're working with all. Yeah. And I turned around, you know, and the woman I'm speaking to is obviously seeing something really deeply, Mm. you know, and and is getting quiet and there are tears in her eyes. And I turn around and the other women are hugging each other and sobbing, you know, that they've obviously seen something too, but they don't, in many cases, they don't know what they've seen, but they've Mm. felt something. Yeah so deep it's funny we had someone on a call yesterday who's just joined my apprentice program and uh, I was asking everybody what their defining moment was what brought them to this point where they wanted to stay in the conversation Mm. deeper and this lady who's a scientist said you know I I, for the first two months I I wasn't getting anything Mm. then I was in the gym and listening to um, something that we've got in the online ultimate coach program. And um, I'd watched a video of a young girl talking about the principles. Her name's Ishka. And I'd shared it with the group. Yeah. It's beautiful, isn't it? It really moved me. Mm -hmm. I was so moved to the point I was so full up that I couldn't contain the feeling and it just tears. And, and I looked and, it affected everyone mm-hmm. in the room. And anyway, she was watching that video. And she said there were te- she was in the gym on a running machine. <laughs> she said, I don't know why, but there were tears rolling down my cheek. And I had this feeling. And it was in that moment I thought, maybe there is something in this. Oh, bless. Mm-hmm. Isn't that? That's beautiful. So I see what you're saying when you say it you're working with one you're working with all i remember tony robbins back in the day because i actually trained with tony in the Mm. 1990s and did their strategic intervention coaching and it's normally not this sunny in scotland is it i don't shut up i never put my thing (laughs) up in the window i'm dying here david stop it (laughs) i'll be shriveled up i'm not a vampire (laughs) you're gonna be off the screen in a minute so um 
<laughs> so I remember working with Tony Robbins at, uh, and Cloma Dane's um, strategic intervention coaching. And he turned around and said, when I'm coaching someone in the room, if there's 5,000 people in the room, I'm coaching everybody. And now I see, I see that now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, it, there's a common denominator. Mm. That's right. We're spiritual beings having the psychological experience of life. Mm. You know, and, and for everybody who gets up into their head about the word spiritual, yeah. It's just a word. It's, you know, when we're alive, we're alive. And when we're dead, <laughs> the human form is still there. But that energy, that spark, that mm. makes us who we are is gone. Mm. So if you don't like the word spiritual and you don't like the word God and you don't like, you know, certain words, just think of it as an energy, mm. a soul, something inside you that every other sentient being has. Yeah, yeah. See, I was brought up in a in a world that didn't believe in a religion. Oh, sorry. In a religion, um, mm. my father was an analyst programmer working in the computer <laughs> industry from the sixties. He said, "Son, when we die, it's like switching off your computer monitor. Don't believe in all that rubbish." So, but but as I said to you the other day, when mm. I was when I was six, there was something inside going, "I'm not going to make a clearly defined conclusion." So mm-hmm. I sat on the fence. It was always called agnostic. I'm not sure mm-hmm. if it's a god or not a god. So I come to this understanding, and every and every text I read when I was going through a tough time, I sort of read texts um, from the Dalai Lama, the Bible, other religious texts. I was seeking. I was looking to yeah. find an answer to feel better. And I never really turned to religion, but I read a, a christening Bible. Mm-hmm. I literally went into Clinton cards with tears streaming down my face, feeling sorry for myself, having a, an early midlife crisis, wanting to check out. And I thought, oh, I need help. And I went into Clinton cards, someone's birthday, and I saw this christening Bible about that big and white. And I went, I'll read that. Went home, went to bed, and just read this thing. And I remember at one moment, this was before I had this awareness, at least consciously anyway, I took the Bible and I threw it across the bedroom on my own, shouting at it, going, well, if this is true, then we're all God. (laughs) Never a truer word was said. (laughs) Maybe maybe I'm going crazy, I'm thinking. Maybe I'm going crazy. And then here I have an experience in Lacona with the Pransky at the Pransky's home and staying in one of their guest Mm -hmm. houses. I'm having a bath in Epsom salt because they had a big bag of Epsom salts there. Yeah, we have them too. They're good. Your bodies are short of magnesium. Well, I've never, I've never had an Epsom salt bath. No I'm, way. I bubbles. You're getting up. old, David. Epsom I'm salts are good for your bones. Well, they had this big bag. So I found some scissors, I cut it open. I didn't realize you're not supposed to put most of the bag in. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have a religious experience then? Well, I did actually. I did that in that moment because I'm floating on top of the bath because there's so much of this salt in it. And I'm really just detoxing from a beautiful day. I'm not detoxing, but I'm just like, mm-hmm. just beautiful feeling. I'm looking out the window across the bay in Lacona. And then I'm looking up at these tiles, tiles at the end of the bath. And I mm-hmm. almost like hallucinated this cross. 
in the shape of the tiles, mm -hmm. five up and three across. And I th and then I had this thought uh, about the Paternoster, the Lord's Prayer. Mm. Um, and it all made sense to me in that moment. Everything. I was like, wow, oh, heaven on earth. That's here now. Mm -hmm. I saw it in that moment. It was like, you know, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass. Go, oh man, there's some logic in that. It makes so much sense. Why would you want to not forgive someone and suffer? And I got so filled up with that. I was like, ah, oh, I can see a connection between what we are sharing and mm. what the Tao, Dei Jing. Oh, absolutely. Everything. I'm seeing it over there. I'm like, the Tao's trying to point to that. Sid's pointing yeah. to that. Eckhart, everybody who's, who've been enlightened has mm. pointed to the truth that everybody knows. And I love the, the, that I can see that now. And I'm so grateful for that. Yeah, I, I love that, David. I think that's a really, really important point, isn't it? That everything is built on the foundation of this understanding. Everything, mm. whether it's in form or formless, it's, it's, it's built from this space. You know, and, and I love knowing that because it takes the, the me out of it. Mm. And I know when the me gets involved in it, that's when the problems start. <laughs> yeah, getting out of our own way, hey? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So the journey is is um, underway. Mm. I love the fact that you keep looking in this direction and you see more and more and you don't really have to do anything and there's no effort required. Mm -hmm. And I'm really hopeful for what might come about as a consequence of that program that I'm running now as well. Mm -hmm. um, Your program's going to have a major impact, David, because people are, are motivated and they're, they're curious and they're interested. And that's <laughs> when people start to see how simple this understanding is, that's when people really start to thrive. Yeah. You and know, we're seeing it inside the program. People yeah. met, you read the comments and I'm like, not that it matters, but I'm like, God, how is this happening? It's just, but you it blows know, me away. But you know, and, and what I love about that is that there's, there's humility about that because we know this is what happens when mm. people settle into this space, yet it still surprises us. Like yeah. you just said there too, like life just keeps unfolding. You keep seeing things, you keep seeing the stories that you have about yourself and your family and beliefs and values, everything's constructed from thought, mm. but you've been holding on to so much so tightly. Yeah. So busy minded that you can't see. That's it. That it's, you know, we're living in a thought created reality, whether it's old stale thought or whether it's fresh thought in the moment. Yeah. And knowing that really gives you this opportunity to, to hold life lightly. Mm. And, that's how it transpired for me that I got to the end of a mentorship program with the Pranskin Association. Mm. And I'll never forget the moment and it touches me every time I think about it. I got to the end of the program and um, well, it unfolded two ways. George turned around to me and said, you're, you're much improved. <laughs> but you're 
if I was your tennis coach, you'd never win Wimbledon. <laughs> That was honest of George. Oh, no, no. He did it with a twinkle in his eye and love in his heart, you know, and, it, yeah. and, and my ego took it, took it on the chin. But he said, you know, um, the area of your game that needs improving is your toss. That's all. And that would translate into listening, mm-hmm. deep listening. And then he shared a metaphor with me that touched me that I was filled up. And I really, after all that time, heard what he was saying about listening for the first time after Mm -hmm. that journey. And he turned around and he said, but I'll I'll teach you how to listen more deeply, but you'll have to come back for a week. Got to be the best detention that I've ever had. (laughs) (laughs) So the Francis, so I, I go back and we work on a few more, some blind spots and, just hung out for a week. It was wonderful. And on the last day, um, it was Barbara, Barbara Patterson, mm. came over and said, look, George was going to take you out for breakfast, but we're going to have breakfast at his home on your last morning. So I said, great. So I, I arrived and I walked in the kitchen and Linda was making pancakes and frying eggs and asking me how I liked, did I want syrup on the bacon? and. I was so filled up in that moment. Um, The love that I felt from those people in that moment, I saw that this whole experience of, was nothing about learning to become a better coach. It was learning how to live and enjoy life. Yeah. Best you can with what you got every single moment of the day. Mm-hmm. And I felt their love, and in that moment, I went, "Ah, oh, I get it." Yeah, I was so jammed tomorrow. <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. the future. It was always living in the future. Life would be better when. Mm-hmm. Life in that moment, eating pancakes, the good old-fashioned American breakfast in that moment with beautiful people, not thinking about the principles, not talking about anything other than this moment and and that was the lesson that i took away from that experience and it's interesting you bring that up because i know that both you and i absolutely adore eckhart tolle yeah and you know i've been listening and watching and studying with eckhart for years and it's interesting how you know i read the power of now god decades ago and yeah i got bits of it but i didn't get it and how going back to his work after understanding, you know, sort of how important, yeah. you know, the mind, thought and consciousness is in the creation of my reality. Mm. But going back to Eckhart's work really helped deepen my understanding around consciousness in the now, mm. you know, mm. and how important it is, how important presence is. Mm. And when you speak about deep listening, David, it, it is presence, absolute presence with a heart full of love and a head full of nothing yeah yeah i always used to think i had a head full of nothing (laughs) 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 and i realized no it's full up it's full up but isn't that even curious like like i was saying that to my husband the other day there oh my god i couldn't stop talking which you know (laughs) must sound really really strange for me huh and um he says, can you hear yourself? I said, I can. <laughs> I can hear myself. I can't stop talking and I don't know why. And it's really funny. 
And yet I would say to you that I am very quiet minded. Mm. I mm. am. It's like what runs through me is, is just the gibberish of thought running through me. It's like I don't, it's not in here. Yeah. I'm not holding it in my body. It's just I'm verbalizing it. <laughs> Lovely. It's fun. Yeah. Um, I had a client that gave me, not Eckhart's book, so The Power of Now. I only read that a few years ago, um, even though it's been around for a long time. Mm-hmm. But uh, The Tao Te Ching. Oh, lovely. Yeah. I had a coaching client that I worked with for about five years. He ran a very successful construction company. He just liked hanging out for breakfast once a month for a couple Mm. of hours, you know, to detox. Gave me all his problems and felt better walking away. (laughs) And he paid me for it. It was lovely. And we built up a good friendship. And one day he, I think it was about 2011, he gave me a book, The Tao. Mm. He said, you should read this. So I did. (sighs) what is that about? Yeah. (laughs) And then it wasn't until probably, I hadn't seen him for a while. Probably a couple of months after working with George, I contacted him. He said, oh, we should meet for breakfast. I said, yeah, it's on me. Come on, let's meet up and have a chat. He said, have you read the Tao yet? I said, well, I had a go, but now it's on my bookshelf. He said, because everything you're talking about this morning is the Tao. (laughs) Everything you're talking about, the principles of thought, mind, consciousness, and, and says enlightenment experience, read the Tao. So I did, and I was like, OMG. Mm-hmm. I see what you're pointing to. Yeah. Isn't that funny how you can read something and not make any sense of it, and then it makes total yeah. sense? It's that whole thing, isn't it? You know, the, the couple of things that... that you know, the Sid used to say, like, truth is everywhere. It's everywhere. You, you see it in conversations, you hear it in conversations you have, you know, with people, you know, it's, it's beautiful. And that truth is everywhere. Therefore, it all points to the same space. Yeah. And you can hear it or you can hear it. Yeah. You know, whether we get it intellectually or whether we get it experientially. And I know we spoke the other day about how important this understanding is to, to, experience for yourself not intellectually but to experience it in your life to 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 get these moments of clarity through experience rather than just reading about them or listening to somebody else's old stale thought or 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 insight yeah see it for yourself for me the metaphor that works every single time for that one is balance on a bicycle Mm, tell, tell me about this one well when 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 we talk about experiencing something and seeing something as truth for ourselves through insight, it's really mm. difficult to explain it, even though we've all had insight. Mm-hmm. So for me, the way I might sit with the client and say, can you, can you ride a bike? And they go, yeah, two wheels. Great. Um, if you were to teach someone that can't ride a bike, how would you teach balance? And they say, well, I would say, hold on to the handlebars, keep pedaling, think of this thing called gravity. I said, so you give a lot of technical instructions, right? Mm. I said, would that work? They go, well, some will fall off and some won't. You go, yeah, so the ones that pay attention and have read your instructions, if you wrote them down and they keep falling off the bike, that means they haven't found their balance yet. Mm. It's a feeling. You can't really teach it. You find it. It happens. And then when you got it, you don't fall off your bike so often. 
<laughs> but you still might. Yeah. You'll always remember the feeling. You'll always recognize that feeling. It'll become familiar. And um, that's how I, I, I see people having to experience that. Mm. I tried for so long to try and work it out. I had a, you know, you spoke earlier about how we keep learning and we keep, the evidence keeps appearing in front of us. Yeah. We have two cars, uh, like most families, you know, and but one of them is automatic and one of them is a stick shift or a gear stick. Yeah. And um, yesterday I took out the, the stick shift or the gear uh, stick car and I yeah. hadn't driven it for about nine months. I hadn't, you know, Jerry had been using that one. And we live in the country, so there are crazy roads, yeah. you know, bends, you name it, dips, blind, you know, summits, all this kind of stuff. And I was driving um, to the nearest town yesterday, and I just had this incredible feeling of, oh my God, the car's driving me. <laughs> it's, it's like I wasn't driving. Do you know, it was all so automatic so effortless mm. you know and if i had got into the car with an idea that oh i haven't driven this car for nine months this is going to be challenging you know i might not remember how to use the gear stick yeah but knowing that that's not important mm. and that experience and that feeling like you spoke of on the bike settling into that space and then just doing what felt right in each and every moment without even thinking I must do what feels right in each and every moment mm. just following that feeling I said to my husband I don't want to drive the automatic ever again <laughs> it's so lovely it's been a long time since I drove a manual uh -huh. I sometimes use that Tesla metaphor is like we think we're in control but we're actually really living life in a Tesla yeah, absolutely. We could, we could just trust it, mm -hmm. knowing that we'll be safe. Mm -hmm. And the intelligence will inform us of what we need to do when we need to do it. Always, David. Always. Easier, wouldn't it? Mm, yeah, always. Mm. David, this has been a, a beautiful conversation. Thank you so much for taking time to come and speak with me on the Unashamedly Human podcast. It's been absolutely beautiful hanging out with you, Jackie. And when you joined my programme, I saw your name. I recognised the name and I did some research. I was like, wow, this, this lady is out there making an impact and really um, you know, interviewing some people that I look up to. And I was totally um surprised that you asked me to be on this and and uh, i'm honored so thank you for giving me the opportunity it's been lovely what we'll do david is if you can um just email me some of the details about your program and your facebook page and your web page and we'll add it to the show notes so that people can find you and see what you're doing your, your program is is um comprehensive um, and it's inspiring coaches to go out there and be the best version of themselves. So I'm all in for yeah. anything like that. Any of my colleagues, I'm going to shout about it because we need more people sharing this understanding and people at a level like yourself who yeah. have an audience, who can have an impact yeah. and are not just thinking about it, they're actually doing it. Yeah, I've been very much a straight line sort of guy, maybe yeah. a little bit 
like a snail. I mean, it took me four years <laughs> to get to this point. It, yeah, but that's the past. It doesn't matter. You know, it, right. it, I always remember, you know, a conversation I had with that man, Mike O'Neill again. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it, and, and I said to him, I feel as though I'm procrastinating. Mm. And he said, Jackie, what if it's not procrastination? What if it's germination? Yeah, that's right. I love that. <sighs> Blew my mind. Lovely. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'll send some stuff through to you, Jackie. Perfect. It's been an absolute pleasure hanging out with you. And, uh, hey, look forward to seeing you online on the project. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Me too. Thank okay, you. David, lots of love. Thank you. Okay, bye. You could be larger than life.